After months of controversy stemming from its handling of allegations of sexual assault involving top-ranked hockey players, the top executive and board of Hockey Canada have left the organization. The changes come following combative testimony before a parliamentary committee looking into the issue and as some major sponsors have pulled their support of hockey's governing body. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. Post-media national sports columnist Scott Stinson joins me to discuss the departures, what led up to these changes, and whether it will help start to repair Hockey Canada's damaged reputation. Don't forget you can find us on all your favorite listening platforms, Amazon, Google, Apple, or Spotify. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Scott, we've been talking about Hockey Canada for months in this country, and while for the last bit it's been the fallout from the scandals, just before we kind of get into the latest news involving the organization, to refresh everyone's memory, when did Hockey Canada originally find itself facing such immense scrutiny? It was in the spring, um... I believe the first reports TSN were May, although I might be off by a couple of weeks. It might be June, but I believe it was May. Um, basically, Hockey Canada found out that TSN's request had had a copy of this lawsuit that had been filed in a London, Ontario courtroom alleging a group sexual assault that took place in 2018 after a Hockey Canada event in that city. And they moved to settle it very quickly and they did and then tsn came out with a report after the lawsuit had already been settled and it was really at that point that it kicked everything off and sort of everything has followed on from that point both in terms of questions about what hockey canada did or didn't do four years ago what they did in quickly trying to resolve it this past spring um some other things have come out obviously about Another allegation relating to a World Junior Tournament in 2003 that's now under investigation and various things about the way Hockey Canada handles its finances. And kind of all of that has has led to the results of this week, which is finally uh, changes at the leadership that a lot of people have been calling for for some time now. And over the summer, we, we saw executives from the organization on the hot seat in front of MPs on a parliamentary committee for its handling of the allegations. And after those those sessions wrapped up in the summer, what was the general sense? I, I mean, among MPs, among the broader community, was it that like we need to see some leadership change? We're not getting the answers that we would expect to get. We need a new investigation. We need to reopen the old investigation. Like, what was the general tone after those those summer sessions? I would say the general tone was one of kind of wondering why there hadn't been more significant change, more concrete actions at Hockey Canada. What we saw was was a lot of damage control and the expected things you would see in terms of Here's a new action plan we have to deal with uh, the toxic culture around hockey in this country and including education on things like consent issues and sexual assault and racism. And, and like, these are all perfectly valid things that, that Hockey Canada could push forward. But there was no real acknowledgement of mistakes made and changes that needed to be made in terms of the people involved other than to say we apologize for what happened four years ago. And I think a lot of people, myself included, 
assumed that there would have to be changes because you can't have the same people involved with the stuff that was done incorrectly previously be the people who, you know, start off the new era of culture change and accountability. I mean, it is theoretically possible, but it's just generally not the way these things tend to go, whether it's a government ministry or even a company that's embroiled, you know, a private company that's embroiled in scandal. Generally, some heads roll and you bring in new people. And then the, in this case, the sponsors who had paused their financial support of Hockey Canada, I assumed would say, okay, well, now that there's new people in charge, we feel better about, you know, now we want to see these various things accomplished moving forward, but we feel comfortable now. And, and that didn't happen. There was this sort of, I mean, they basically said we don't, you know, Scott Smith, he was the recently departed CEO told the parliamentary committee, and I believe it was June that he wanted to be the person to lead the change. Actually, I think that one was in July because he, he appeared twice, but he was very insistent that he wanted to be the person there to make sure that the proper reforms were made. And I, you know, I get it on some level, but I just think there was generally speaking a lot of skepticism that that made a lot of sense. Normally, again, in issues of big public scandals, somebody takes the fall, whether or not they necessarily are the proper person to blame. It's just kind of how these things tend to unfold. And then last week we had Andrea Skinner, the departed board chair's very combative appearance before the same Heritage Committee, where not only did she insist that there was no need to make changes in the executive ranks, but that you know, essentially implying the thing was a bit overblown and some of the criticism was unfair. And, and, and that's what happened before this most recent development. Yeah. I, so, I mean, I wanted to talk briefly about kind of the intervening months between the testimony in July and early August, and then the, the events of this past week or so, we, we had a new chair and Andrea Skinner coming in. We had the organization making very public statements that, you know, they want to see they're going to change. They released some semblance of a, a plan to address some of these issues, but it didn't really stop kind of, it didn't make the scandal go away. It didn't stop people from asking questions that I think needed to be asked. And also we, we had new revelations about not only did they have one hockey Canada have one fund that they potentially paid out to deal with allegations of, of misconduct up to and including sexual abuse. They had a second fund that was earmarked for that. And this is some of the reporting that was done by TSN. Like this all leads to an, an idea that it's kind of an intractable situation with, with hockey Canada and, and leading up to this week when you, as you say, Andrew Skinner was quite combative with the parliamentary committee. Like what, what was the rationale behind bringing her in? What was the hope with having her as the new chair? And then how did things continue to go so wrong for hockey Canada? So I, deal with the Andrea Skinner question first, Dave, and that it, it came out when at her appearance last week that, um, well, we knew this had happened, but the previous board chair, Michael Brindamore, resigned in August. And it certainly seemed to me, he didn't come out and say this, but in his testimony to the Heritage Committee, he was asked whether he agreed with the decision for Scott Smith to remain as the chief executive. He really <laughs> tried to avoid answering that question. Uh, he kept saying it was a decision of the board. He 
he sort of would say to the MPs when they asked him, well, that, you know, my personal opinion doesn't matter. It's, this was a board decision. I mean, he did everything you could do to avoid saying, no, I didn't agree with the decision um, without actually saying that. And then he resigned. This was in August. So my reading of that situation is that he thought they needed to make bigger changes. They, the board disagreed with him. And so he quit and said, well, then I'm out. And they brought Andrea Skinner as the interim chair. And I think a lot of people, again, I'll include myself in that, assumed that she was going to be a new face, perhaps a somebody with more of a conciliatory tone, somebody to to answer questions uh, honestly and to acknowledge that mistakes have been made in the past. And then it turned out she was the opposite of that. She was she was much more, as you said, combative and defensive about Hockey Canada's uh, steps taken so far in this process, and you know, insistent that the stuff that had been said about them was mischaracterized and, and the reporting was inaccurate or misconstrued. And, and so, the interesting thing about that was, if she was brought in, you know, to sort of say, okay, we need to change the tone here, and start going on the offense, so to speak, and stop letting everybody else define this story for us, which seems to have been some of the case. There was some acknowledgement in the testimony to the Heritage Committee that their that their um, their board minutes had acknowledged a desire to shift the narrative around the story. So if that was the idea, then it obviously spectacularly backfired because I think what happened was after that, testimony the the various sponsors and other stakeholders who were kind of in wait and see mode well let's see how they clean this up let's see what they do going forward all came to a pretty similar conclusion was well it looks like they're not that interested in in making big changes and so our temporary pause of our sponsorship is now going to become a withdrawal of our sponsorship money for for at least the coming hockey season and at least for the men's national program so i don't think they necessarily made a decision we're going to replace Michael Brindamore with Andrew Skinner and and this is how it's all going to going to fall out. I think that he left having been frustrated in in their inaction. They brought the new person in who who should we should know was already on the board. It's not like they went and found a brand new person. She was one of the board members and then and then the strategy from that point on unraveled pretty quickly. We'll be right back. And so that brings us to this month. We, as we've mentioned there, you know, some more combativeness between Hockey Canada and MPs on this parliamentary committee who are, who are looking into this. What was the messaging from Hockey Canada this month? What was, what was their general assertion that, you know, trust us, we've got this under control. We're going to fix it. You know, <laughs> what was the message they were bringing to, to Ottawa this time around? Well, it was, it was, as you say, it was a, we have everything uh, under control here. We're making necessary changes. We've got a governance review happening. So we're not going to make any significant leadership executive changes until after that governance review is completed. Um, in the time-honored tradition of political scandals where you appoint an outside review and, and then months, weeks and months go by and you can just say, well, hey, there's a review happening. So you know, no, no further changes needed until that's done. So they pointed all that stuff out. And then the part that was extra um, 
spicy was just this insistence that that not only did they have everything under control, but that the story had been misreported or mischaracterized and that these questions about the financial reserve funds were unfair or that they were normal and everybody was, you know, making a big deal out of things that were the regular course of business for an organization such as Hockey Canada. And also some uh, specific comments from Andrea Skinner, the former chair, that while, while yes, there are some issues with hockey culture, we shouldn't blame everything on hockey and, and issues like sexual violence are a problem in wider society. So it's unfair to just point your finger at hockey and that kind of thing. So it was those messages kind of all combined that, which led to the the sponsorship withdrawals and, and the various, you know, renewed calls for top change at the top, which ultimately were eventually met a week later. But I don't know what of those things necessarily was the tipping point for various people, but the tone in general, this idea that, okay, yes, mistakes have been made, but, you know, it's not all hockey's fault, was a, a very strange um, tack to take, in my view, because, you know, of course it's not all hockey's fault. And, of course, there are problems with issues like sexual violence throughout broader society and the treatment of women and misogyny and that kind of thing. But if you're accused of specific wrongdoing and you say, well, it also happens elsewhere, it it doesn't say a lot for your intentions to be accountable for the actions that happened under your watch. Right. And, and that was a particularly uh, telling moment I thought. And, and I also throw in there too, Dave, the stuff about, you know, the, the reports about these financial reserve funds, there was repeated attempts to say, well, they're being mischaracterized and, and I'm fully, you know, she was saying that, that it was fully on board the way they were handled, but didn't really explain how they were mischaracterized and what was inaccurate about the reporting on them. So that was, that was a pretty strange part of it too. And so what was it specifically if, you know, I, I assume the organization felt that they argued their point, they, they put up a strong defense of Hockey Canada. What was it that led specifically to the departure of Andrew, Andrea Skinner as chair? And then was that just a tipping point for the rest of the departures this week? Yeah, I think um, that Ms. Skinner's, I mean, she was, I, I would say quite fairly, the focus of a lot of the criticism of the parliamentary committees or the appearance before the parliamentary committee last week in, in early October, um, because it was her that was saying all the particularly uh, notable things that, that everybody was critical about. So yes, she came under a lot of criticism scrutiny. Um, I thought, you know, I can't speak for all of it, but I, I certainly didn't see anything that was totally over the top. And look, being the chair of the board of directors of hockey Canada is a volunteer position. And Presumably, she did not uh, enjoy being somebody who was getting, you know, criticized on the front pages of papers and in every newscast. And so she said, all right, I'm out. She removed herself from the the story. And then a few days later, the the sort of full resignation happened. My, My guess is there was the reason for the few days gap in between the two things happening. A, it was the Thanksgiving weekend. So not the greatest time to necessarily get on a virtual call with people and decide what the decisions are going forward. But 
she probably felt that because she specifically had caused so much consternation and, you know, basically gave that testimony and then immediately saw the sponsors withdraw their financial support. She, I think she realized that she had crossed the line that she wasn't going to be able to, uh, to walk back. And and then everybody else kind of followed suit, probably realizing that, um, that her particular resignation was not going to solve the problem. You know, the person who had been the interim chair for a couple of months, uh, was not going to be enough of a, a change at the top for the various people that had expressed their concerns to be satisfied. Mm -hmm. And so in addition to Skinner, we have the chief executive, Scott Smith is out as well as the entire board. Who is going to handle overseeing Hockey Canada in the interim while, while they try and sort out all of these problems? There's an interim management committee that is uh, being assembled. I I believe some names might be out already this morning, but I, I don't, I don't recall them off the top of my head. I don't want to misstate. So I think they're going to throw together an interim management committee. They are going to elect a new board of directors uh, sooner rather than later. There was already a previously scheduled election on December 17th. I, I think the hope is that they will move that ahead. Although the organization can probably exist under the uh you know stewardship of an outgoing committee for a couple of months if if it ends up just being they wait until december to bring in a new board of directors and then who knows who they're going to bring in i mean ultimately a lot of people have said to me well if if it's just the ceo leaving aren't they just going to appoint some new you know executive from just below him to be the new executive and does that really change look i i got to I'm sure that that is possible, but my guess would be that whoever the new chief executive is, is going to populate the executive ranks with outsiders and people who have not been uh, longtime Hockey Canada insiders, because clearly that's the the overarching desire of the federal government, of the sponsors, of the various people who are stakeholders and have said, it's time to clean house at this place and, and you know, kind of start over with somebody new. Now, as you mentioned earlier, we, we had an exodus of sponsors, at least involving the men's program. Are we talking like, you know, the bigger names, the Canadian tires, the Bowers, the Petro Canada's, I'm not sure who all has made the list, but you know, we're, we're, I imagine we're talking about a significant amount of money. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things about Hockey Canada is that the finances are, are quite opaque and we, they're not, you know, the books are not publicly audited. You can tell just from the names of these corporations, as you say, Petro Canada, Esso, Scotiabank, uh, Telus, Tim Hortons, Bauer, like these big, you know, major Canadian companies who are, I'm sure, paying tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions, in an annual, you know, sponsorship and marketing type arrangements. So I don't know how they would necessarily direct their annual budgets away from the men's program while still supporting the other programs. But there's some indication from almost all of them that they want to continue supporting things like sledge hockey and women's hockey. But uh, obviously it is a massive financial blow for, for an organization that can probably sustain that for a relatively short period of time, because my guess is they've got lots of money in the bank due to all these Relationships have gone on for a long time, but um, clearly the the 
you know, the impetus for the changes was that they couldn't allow this lack of financial support to, to happen for too, too long, or they would be in serious financial straits. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where we are now. And as I understand, there there have been a number of provincial hockey organizations who are under the umbrella of Hockey Canada, who have also said, we're not going to send our minor hockey fees your way. Do we think the changes may allow those organizations provincially to rethink their decision and kind of, you know, come to some kind of agreement? Or do you think that there could be a longer term stalemate between Hockey Canada and the provincial organizations? Yeah, I think the sponsors all, all kind of said we're we're withdrawing our money for 2022-23. So they already sort of sunsetted it. The provincial associations some of them said something to that effect, but to your point, like they basically said we're we're stopping transferring the portion of our registration fees that go to Hockey Canada until such time as changes are made and changes have been made now. So there's certainly an opportunity for them to say okay, that's something concrete that we can point to that shows you're taking it seriously. So we feel better about it now. But of course, the up to East Province Association, you know, there's some question about the mechanism of can they even do that? <laughs> because they're essentially taking money that, that parents and, and, and adult hockey players themselves are paying, you know, and, and if they keep it for themselves, what are they going to do with it? You know, there's, there's those questions too. So we'll see what happens. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see some um, relenting on those positions, but but they might not do it in the short term either. Now, so what happens next in, in all of this? Are there still officials from Hockey Canada or people adjacent to Hockey Canada set to testify before MPs at the Heritage Committee? Is there going to be a further inquiry into this separate from, from Parliament? Could there even be you know a reopening of past police investigations into the allegations previously? My understanding is that the police, inv- well, I shouldn't say police investigations. We know that they, the two various, uh, the two separate sexual assault allegations, 15 years apart, are being investigated by Hockey Canada. I believe there was some suggestion that in the 2003 one, which took place in Halifax, that, that there would be police looking into it. But I mean, we're dealing with something that happened almost 20 years unlikely that police investigations are going to lead to too much at this point. That's my very amateur take on it. So, so that stuff's ongoing. I I think the interesting thing in terms of, you know, what happens next is if some executive takes over, who is truly like from the outside brings in other people with himself or herself to, to run the organization, we might find a lot more out about, Things that have been happening behind the scenes at Hockey Canada, whether it's, uh, you know, use of reserve funds or other uh, accounting measures that have been taking place over the years, you know, other claims that might have been settled quietly out of court. There could potentially be a whole lot there in terms of what has gone on in this organization. And, And I'll say, too, this is obviously entirely speculative on my part, but I have wondered at times whether that's one of the reasons why they were so resistant to change. And did the people who have just recently resigned not want somebody else to come in and have a look under the hood and see what else has been going on there? Because 
that would be one explanation that at least says, okay, well, that kind of explains why they were took them two months to do what seemed like the obvious next step quite some time ago. So we'll see what happens there. And then the broader question, of course, is like what happens in terms of reforming hockey, which is something we've talked about before. And, and obviously that is not going to happen quickly. And we'll have to see what whoever the next leadership group is uh, intends to do about that. Mm-hmm. And I know it's something that we'll be following closely uh, here at Post Media and, and Canadians will be watching as well. Scott, thanks for your time. Okay, thanks, Dave. 103 is produced by Tyler Dawson, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest Scott Stinson. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.